Hello, Henry. Hello. Quite unusually, I don't actually have any written notes this evening. I have a few abstract thoughts and some general ideas, but I thought you you should, uh, as the format of the show is always with you beginning with some interesting topics, so it's over to you. That's really funny because I was just thinking that I had absolutely nothing <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Well, I have a couple of updates, and then I have a, a few potential topics. So um, should we go with the updates first? Go for it. So I have been talking very positively about using CreateSpace as a way of actually getting out text. And I've had a few issues with regards to CreateSpace early on, and I wanted to get a good surveying of general orders with them before I went with them. And I ordered a couple of uh, reprints um, in the past week, and they arrived, and they were just really badly formed. Um, the covers were slightly off, the binding was slightly warped, and they'd been cut diagonally. So if you rested them on their side, you could see the diagonal cut. And I thought, okay, this is worth paying an extra two bucks for to actually get things that look like books. So I'm going back to the artisanal wonder that is Lulu. They also have immediate ebook publishing. And a wide variety of other things. So, uh, I don't think. And, the, and what's what's the how's the price breakdown on these things? Um, on, on a good well, one, forget the crappy one. But on the one you're going to go with, obviously, if you print more, you you're, you get a price break, right? Yeah, it's something like that. But I mean, for for people that will be ordering it, I think I'll probably charge about. No, I don't mean the charge. I mean what what your your cost is, what they charge you to they deliver. They charge a me. Book. Lulu charges about four fifty for one hundred and sixty pages. Four dollars and fifty cents for one hundred and sixty pages. That's one at a time. Yes. And if I buy ten or more, I think it goes down to about three fifty. I'm not sure, but it's no, of that's that order. Not bad. I mean. That's not bad, really. No, I think it's remarkably good, actually. And that's and the for the good printers, the one, I mean, the ones exactly. that actually cut them uh, perpendicular and everything. Certainly, yeah, and the glue that doesn't seep out and is actually applied and is white. So four fifty for a hundred and sixty pages is what it costs to to produce them one at a time. Exactly. And, and what if what if it's two hundred pages? Do you have to? How does that work? Is about uh, two. It's about two cents for. I can't remember whether it's four pages or per page, but I think it's about two cents per page. Okay. Most of it is in the spine on the cover, but yeah. um, for example, the thousand plus pages that I printed, I printed one six hundred and one four hundred, and I think it was about eight dollars and twelve dollars respectively. Okay, so it's, it's not that big a deal then really i mean because i mean any book anyway costs 20 bucks <laughs> you know so yeah. yeah so you're within the ballpark to be able to put stuff out that's that's good to know yeah well I, as i see and, 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 and what do they mail it for you to the destination is that what, mm-hmm. you just give them an address yep. and and they ship it yep <laughs> yeah, and that's all for this price or is that ex- the shipping is extra or how does oh, that work? the shipping is extra um you have a number of options. You can either pay the lowest rate shipping, which is via media mail. I've mixed feelings about media mail. Um, it's kind of, for me, it can be anywhere between 16 to 24 days, media mail, depending <laughs> oh, on where man. it's coming from. That's a long time. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know whether it's because where I live or just the nature of media mail, but 
you know, it's it's a defined uh, post trade. That's just not acceptable. Sixteen to twenty days. That's, are you familiar with Media Mail? No, I've never no? heard of them. Thank goodness. I don't think I want to hear it. No, 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 no. Media Mail is a rate. It's a um, U.S. postage service rate. Really? It's for okay. any kind of printed media, and it is the slowest possible way to get something to someone, but it's also the cheapest possible way. It certainly and, is the slowest. That's Yeah, I, I find it phenomenal. I used to – well, I mean, for things – I'm if considering for, it, for certain things that may be okay. Well, you can leave that up to the customer. That let them decide. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly. Yeah, point. you don't That's need exactly. to worry about it. This is one of the <laughs> options. Yeah. Exactly. The only thing that I, the only real distinction between Lulu and CreateSpace is if people order from Amazon. If people order from Amazon, CreateSpace gets to them faster than Lulu does. Lulu still takes a certain amount of time um, because they basically have to print it separately, ship it to the Amazon distributor, and then the Amazon distributor ships it out. If they order direct from Lulu, then... So, I mean, there are all these kind of metrics, but yeah, really... But I mean, still, t- you're still within a reasonable uh, exactly. framework here. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And in terms of quality alone, I think... Um, I, I and you give them Lulu. what, a PDF or what? A PDF, a PDF for the cover, and that's it. Okay, so two, one for the text and one and a cover. They have some Lulu. Document. This is this is CreateSpace. Lulu actually has their. You can use their create, cover create utility. I think CreateSpace has just created that as well. But through that, you don't even need a cover. You just need a PDF. I think Lulu, you can put Word documents and other things up as well. I just use yeah. PDF because it's yeah. the easiest yeah. form for me. Well, basically, it uh, also allows you to assure what it's going to look like on the page. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and particularly with the page numbering and things, yeah, I have had yeah. problems giving documents previously. Yeah, sometimes so it's paragraph just, breaks. I mean, you can set all sorts of stuff up so you know to just make it work better. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the plan in terms of undercutting academic publishing seems to be going very well. I've got the first uh, set back, and I think basically it will probably be... Three to six biota lives, depending on their length. Some of them are an hour and a half, two hours. Some of them are an hour. But the denser ones, I mean, the first one, which was just under an hour, relatively dense, came to uh, 20 US letter pages in 12-point font. I didn't get the word total, but it's, you know, it's a, a sizable number of words. And that's just from an hour of kind of constant talking. It reads very nicely. It needs, obviously, it needs a, you know, this tuning but I think this project, in terms of getting the stuff out there and getting it to a new audience, and particularly ebook, um, the other thing I like about uh, Lulu is that they have a pocketbook format, which is really quite cute. Um, the dimensions for the pocketbook are four and a quarter inches by six point eight seven five inches. So if you can just yeah, see that, no, if I that's can see that. Yeah, yeah. size of the pocketbook. I think that's a very neat little format for certain things as well. So uh, yeah, this is this is all moving in the right direction, Heron. And that so pocketbook, more... how much uh, is that cheaper? I think it is actually. The pocketbook is actually considerably cheaper, which is why I'm going to offer three formats for my ninety-three writing e pocket and uh, what they call A5, which is the yeah. A5 format. I'm not familiar with the UK or Imperial paper sizes or whatever the term is, but um, yeah, 
So all that is looking very positive, and I think it was good to actually come to a final decision associated with Create Space. Yeah. I was thinking of sending them a letter just with photos of how badly <laughs> the binding and things turned up. Yeah, and is just this typical? Up. Maybe it was just a bad day. Well, I, can, yeah. Yeah, I don't want bad days. Yeah, but you're right. I don't give a shit about, about your bad days. days. You're exactly. right. Yeah. Exactly. Give me a so, book that works, you know? Yeah, and, you know, well, something that, you know, maintains and glue that stays together and all this kind well, of stuff. So it's supposed to actually look sort of good, you know? It's supposed to look like a book that you've actually paid what, money for, yes. Concept, yeah. So um, so that's that update. I think it all seems to be moving in the right direction. I'm actually having a lot of fun doing it, and it, it gets me thinking quite dynamically about, uh, you know, what, what one can actually put in this format. Well, you know those little tracks that uh, the, the watchtower tracks, have you ever, you know what those are? think so the, the anyway, jehovah's witnesses they, they're like little yeah. comic books certainly you know and that's a great format you, you can print them by the billions and leave them <laughs> to, to blow with the leaves in the wind hmm. my wife is trying that currently she has a itsy are you familiar with itsy no it's a craft website. In fact, they do a wide variety of things, but it's basically like, it's not like eBay. It's thousands, tens of thousands of little craft stores, which vary from knickknacks to um, refurbished uh, militaria, which are then made into a variety of different things. I mean, it's a series of, I don't know what you'd even call it. I mean, Sounds kind fascinating. Of yeah, obvious. Just, so just it's a bunch of weird people making stuff. Exactly, and selling it online. Yeah. So my wife has an Etsy store, and she sells uh, bottle caps that she then puts some kind of perspex-like substances, and she makes them into fridge magnets and amulets and a variety of other things. I think I talked a little bit about this previously. She's going to the Harry Potter, the the final Harry Potter launch tomorrow at midnight and giving these things out to people. They cost next to nothing to make. Yeah. But she's thinking of this. This could be, you know, this could be getting together bail money for her for, I don't know, impringing on some intellectual property. I don't know how the cinema is going to treat this. But um, she is using a similar kind of drop technique, but with a group that she thinks will be sufficiently, uh, well, nerdy enough for this kind of information. And following on to that, and I, I need to bring up the statistics, actually. I have run a different Facebook ad. Uh, for model rail radio this month and used a completely different uh, method to actually test both ends of the Facebook extreme here. So I will bring up my statistics this evening. So in the past, what is it now, probably 15, maybe 20 days, there have been, well, it's it's literally 35 under 130,000 stone iPads that have gone up onto Facebook. And out of that, just shy of 130,000, there have been 14 click-throughs on that. 14, okay. So, not a huge number. However, I thought, well, what about Model Rail Radio? If they're the right 14, it succeeds. And the thing is, I was thinking about this with regards to my writing, because I think, relatively, this is a success. I'll, I'll explain Model Rail Radio. So I thought, okay, why don't I try... What I do with Stone Ape is just buy 1,000 ads. Why don't I pay per click with Model Rail Radio? And the statistic that I found fascinating was for model railroading and related search terms, there are only about 12,000 people on Facebook that put those in their interests. Yeah. I don't know whether 
that want to pick up women so or what our story is. The words you used drew in, a, what, 130,000. For Stone Ape. For yeah, Modern for Stone Radio, it's, it's, it's a smaller a, audience, yeah. yeah. Which makes me think that probably, when you think about the uh, publications involved, they're probably, and I know this actually for a fact, but I've heard some of the magazines uh, talk about the statistics they are really dealing with a 50-plus age group, and yet they can still sell 100,000-odd magazines. So what we have here is a completely opposite demographic to what Facebook appeals to in general, I guess. But I went with the different model. I went through the pay-per-click rather than pay-per-impression with the view that I only have about 12,000 people that I'm getting to anyway with Model Rail Radio. That, in contrast, for only 3,000, well... 3,300 impressions, I've gotten 10 clicks through for that. So, how far? Um, 3,300? Oh, 3, shit, yes. Three. That's, well, that, but that sort of makes sense, too. The rail, it's an, it really is a niche that, that has already identified itself to itself as a niche. Certainly. And what, and I think, what the uh, Stone Ape thing is, does not <laughs> fit a category. Certainly, certainly. So, so but that's the thing, part of the problem of how we're going to write, write that ad to get to at least some of the people. I think the main job is to get rid of people. It shouldn't be showing on, on uh, 130,000. Probably it ought to only be showing on a few thousand. So this is the exact opposite of what you said last week. So you obviously had time to think about this differently because I argued last week what you're arguing this week, but this week I'm going to argue what you argued last week because I think what actually needs to happen is the most, the maximum number of people need to see it because who knows Yeah, that's true, who's too. Yeah, I could agree with that, too. Yeah. Well, you're agreeing with yourself in the past now. Well, I, I'm <laughs> saying both of those seem like not unreasonable strategies. Maybe we should do them both. <laughs> Mm. Well, this is the thing that interests me, because you can actually run multiple campaigns, so to speak, for yeah. the same thing, using completely different metrics and test it sure. against. Yeah. So I've currently, I've currently racked up 26 bucks and 15 cents uh, on this experiment. I still have, so the numbers are, for Stone Ape, I've paid 19.79, and for Model Rail Radio, I've paid $6.36. The Model Rail Radio one has only been going on for about a week now probably just after we did our last recording. Um, in fact, less than a week, probably only That's five days. It's not a good comparison, it, though. It really, it's, I mean, not. it's not. It's not a Completely fair comparison unrelated. at all. Exactly, yeah. But what interests me going into the future is, as I have these projects, be it the bio transcripts, be it the 93 writing, what have you, there must be ways that I can optimize these things for this kind of method. Well, I think this is a and fundamental distinction as to whether you're going to go for as many people or uh, the right one. Or you can do both, and that's what Well, that's right, you can. You're right. We don't have to choose between that. <laughs> exactly. But you can run, you can run campaigns at both ends. Yeah, that's right. That's great. That's run. beautiful. Yeah. And you can also, the $30 limit, now I have 30 for both, so 60 total, but you can put a 30 limit and then run two campaigns within that 30 limit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so there's lots I mean, of stuff you can do here for very little money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah this is and, cool. I mean, yeah, 130,000 people have seen the little monkey associated yeah. with Stone Ape. Yeah. So, very interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, and the fact and that I, they're just seeing it, and they may not respond now, but if they see it enough times, you know, if it's something that appeals to them, they're going to you know, look sometime. 
Yeah, I think the notion of visual familiarity, I mean, I see a lot of ads and I think right on. I very rarely click on those ads, but they at least create some visual you familiarity. Yeah. Which was, I saw that before, yes. Yeah, yeah, and kind of familiarity. And I think this is what was used in the political campaigns that, uh, you know, irrespective of whatever political you know, interests one had, one still saw a lot of political ads and it was to familiarize you with the various candidates. Uh, and I think that was used relatively successfully as well. But no, this is fascinating stuff, Aaron. Fascinating stuff. And I think certainly my initial approach to this was one of not really disdain, but distrust. And the more that I look at it, the more fascinating these metrics become. I was driving with my wife over the weekend talking about these, this publication that I'm going to put out shortly. And she said, well, you know, what are, you, what are your aims with it in terms of sales? Yeah. I mean, do you anticipate that you'll sell six a month or 20 a month or, you know, and it was, I, I guess I hadn't fessed up and which is probably the correct married term that I had actually been running these ads for Stone Ape. And she was initially quite shocked that I'd uh, put up $30 of my own money into this void. But then when I explained to her the metrics and I explained to her the number of thousand people that had seen this thing, irrespective yeah. of the click-throughs, yeah. she started to realize that, you know, mm. for $30, I mean, 19, 1979 to get 130,000 people to see a little logo. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is, this is a miracle. <laughs> this is, we live so in anyway. miraculous times. And yes, once you get yes. capitalism out of it and see this as a way to connect people, the right people... Mm. You know, I mean, if you're trying to make a buck on it, there it's a whole different thing. But what you're doing is seeing it as an expense to to bring people, you know, to get the right people together. And I think the interesting thing with Model Rail Radio is that it's just growing, irrespective of this thing with regards to Facebook ads, it is still maintaining a very sharp growth rate. In fact, I'm now getting audio submissions for it, which just means that my role is even less in terms of actively being part of the podcast and more about collating and, yeah, and post-producing. Exactly. Yeah, fundamentally. There were a few topics that I wanted to touch on, and in no particular order, the one that you mentioned uh, about how amazing all these things are currently, I've been thinking quite critically in terms of the next 30 to 50 years. And I think we had probably an earlier conversation associated with what the next 30 to 50 years have meant historically. And the more that I reflect on it, the more that I have to actually agree with you that these things like Facebook and these things that have come out of, uh, I don't know, partially enlightened or at least some some kind of uh, They're coming out of the future. <laughs> very much so. But I guess... I guess the more I thought on this, because one can quickly kind of segmentize various things. I avoid uh, television, but I caught bits of U.S. television through YouTube recently. And in parallel, I've watched two documentaries, one on Vichy France and one on Idi Amin. And both of them have left me with impressions that there's a lot that can be learned from both of those periods of time with regards to contemporary times, particularly the use of media by, by Vichy France. And it really strikes me that the kind of stories that are, are being told through this media that neither of us have any exposure to because we both feel so fundamentally disgusted by it is something which is very much about a kind of social repression versus the stuff that we're trying to do um, or stuff we're actively doing through these kind of recordings. And 
I don't want to talk necessarily about the current problems, but I do think there are probably strategies that we can employ in order to get more people interested in this as a as a form. And I think my own my own view with that has been to put it out in a variety of different formats. Wait, and I thought it, about what, this. What it are we talking it about is, here? It is the the free discussion of ideas put out to a number of people. Basically, the okay, phenomenon okay. that was captivated in podcasts. But I was thinking about this the particularly as now. Well, let me just put it in some other words just to make sure I'm comfortable with what we're so, talking about. You're, you're, you're yeah. talking about the idea of all of us being able to put our ideas out into the world freely where they can be evaluated and exchanged freely. Is that what, Certainly. You're, is that what you're talking this about? Notion, yeah, no, this notion of that we own the media fundamentally and that we, rather than this ridiculous bottom-down bizarro narrative which has been the history of american media well well, media full stop but particularly in this country in particularly perverse ways well the word media doesn't really has changed though see i mean media now is i'm not sure what it means anymore you know i mean it was sort of simple when the film and radio but the internet's i mean it's yeah anyway i'm i find that whole thing really interesting just because I, I I don't know how to think about it yet mm. certainly there's a there's an internal competition that probably needs to be acknowledged as well I mean I think certainly you find a lot of what you do sustaining independent of the folks that are listening in and I have to say truthfully I feel the same way but the thing that fi- I find fascinating is when I discover that there are actually large numbers of people listening in. And this <laughs> has caught me on a couple of occasions do, recently. Do you have a sense of how many people are listening? I mean, the more podcasts really? I record, I mean, look, I, I, my wife talks to me very critically about this because certainly I now have five podcasts that I'm working on, one of which is basically semi-retired, but the other four remain quite active. And through that kind of discussion and the diversity of people, and now we have people that are previously biota or even model rail radio listeners that are listening to Stone Ape, for example, and my suspicion is that this CWF Gamecast thing that um, Jonathan Reinhardt puts out um, could potentially pick up a group of listeners as well. And I think the more of these things that I do, the sense is that there are there is a kind of grouping audience that's coming together mm. that wants to hear this stuff. I'm not. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with. There was a fellow uh, who created a podcast network, and a lot of these kind of podcast network folk, I think, get it completely wrong. But there was a fellow who created this. I don't know. Learn to podcast. Uh, gospel podcasting, a variety of these bizarro networks, gave up his day job and then started producing these really quite hostile podcasts about the fact that you'll never know how to podcast. It's all very expensive. Pay me to learn this kind of stuff. So there is this kind of bizarro podcast network phenomenon, but I think by just doing unincorporated podcasts and throwing them out there, these uh, these ideas are, are coming together in quite a, a dynamic fashion. And the people who would who would even put up with this kind of a strange format are pre-selected to begin with. 
I mean, really, give me a break. I mean, you know, if Dancing with the Stars is on, why the hell would I want to listen to this stuff? <laughs> well, because you're seeing, you're seeing Sarah Palin's progeny, you know, I heard I don't about. I, I don't know. Do you know what I? I heard some reference on the radio in my car about that. That's why that came into my mind, and something about Sarah Palin's daughter. I don't know what. I mean, I have, I have no idea what's going on. Do you? Yeah. Well, I. I mean, Wozniak was on the last season of Dancing with the Stars, and <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so yeah. So you know, QED. Um, but no, my understanding is that here's an interesting statistic. The number is six. No, the number is four hundred and sixty-five thousand books of Sarah Palin's book in the first week sold four hundred and sixty-five thousand copies. Sarah Palin wrote a book. Well, yeah, she, she wrote so anyway, a book. Some ghostwriter wrote a book for her. Going Rogue was the name of the book. Okay, and, and this no, was released just recently? Last year. When? And last year. Okay. And that was, I guess, a big sensation probably, right? 450,000 well, copies the first what? First week? First, first week. Is that a lot? First I guess week. that's a huge amount, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think um, the, the other statistic that they gave was that Bill Clinton's book in the first week was it the first week or the first month, sold 660,000 copies. Oh, okay. So well, what is a, a big bestseller, I mean, political or not? Um, I would think it would be around that number. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly she has a fan base, oh, and clearly they're willing to put cool. down their hard-earned catch. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Christians have got a great thing going. I mean, the, the Christians are just bilking, you know, billions of dollars out of poor people's trailer parks, you know, sending. Uh, it's it's appalling, isn't it? Well, this is when you talk about how wonderful. I mean, this is the the notion of the contemporary state. When you actually reflect on it, you do find these. Kind well, of quandary points. Well, those are those language monks. See, that's exactly the point where my work is. We get, you know, it's going to end up to be a war between the transhumans and the language monkeys. Mm. Have you seen um, what was the film Idiocracy? Oh yeah. So that puts it very beautifully. This is really my concern, particularly sitting here in Las Vegas, Nevada, childless, <laughs> is that. Uh, we 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 are being bred out of existence, basically. Well, we <laughs> have to trans- be smart. We have to we be exactly. smart. You know. Yes. yes I mean, exactly. Yeah. But see, I'm again. I'm optimistic. I don't. I don't. I do see this as something that is a natural process of Earth's development, and that it's bigger than just humans. I think there has come a time on this planet where what's this trend that I see is seems to be accelerating. And I think it's, I think it's an inevitable thing almost. Mm. So it doesn't bother me that all these language monkeys are out there because in 30 to 50 years, most of them will be gone or just simply out overpowered out of power by a group of people who understand that it is possible for us to all live together very nicely on this planet. So, 
I guess my only concern with that, and again, uh, repeating ad nauseum prior discussions, is that this was very much the vision of my parents and your generation 30 to 50 years ago. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, not 50. Well, well it's just simply the way I choose to uh, group the the data that I see. You can group it any other any number of ways and make up any kind of story you want. I'm not saying my way of thinking about it is the way it is. I'm just saying mm-hmm. of all the ways I've looked at for thinking about it, I like this one the best. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with it. Mm-hmm. It's the one that keeps you warm at night. It gets me up in the morning uh, and motivates me to keep going. Very good. Very good. What else? See, again, nothing, everything else just seemed like a dead end. You know, getting married and having kids, putting them through college, getting old, you know, and dying. (laughs) So what? So that, so that, what? So anyway, but I imagine it's self-motivation, self-motivation, which is distinctly different, but uh, could be just as rewarding for those that have that self-motivation. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's just you make a choice, and you live with the consequences of your choice. So I've been reflecting recently on these movements, partially because, and this has been a kind of passing narrative, but since my discussion with KMO I've had a periodic communication with a fellow who's a saxophonist in Oakland about, <laughs> um, as these people are, about He's the, not a uh, sax player, huh? <laughs> no, believe me, he's, he's a saxophonist. Um, about um, the building collapses in 9-11, so much wasted energy with regards to um, the, the truth of movement in particular. But he comes back... Just cyclic stuff, I explain the physics. He comes back rather than Celsius talking in Fahrenheit, I explain <laughs> the physics. And it's just not, I mean, the, the notion of a conspiracy is just so far removed. And I was thinking about this with the Zeitgeist movement as well, because I've seen recently uh, a Zeitgeist film, and it occurs to me that you actually spend quite a bit of time in their midst. Oh, yeah, um, I'm deeply into that. In a very sort of bizarre way. I've offended almost everybody there, but they put it with me. (laughs) They are similarly very much a kind of belief-centric group, though. I mean, I think the thing that strikes me about... That's the whole... It's not about whether you have beliefs or assumptions, as I prefer to call them. The question is whether you accept them as conscious assumptions and don't try to pawn them off as the way reality really is. Yeah, I mean, well, if you look at a kind of self-selecting group, like, for example, Artificial Life or Model Railroaders or the number of groups that I find myself connected to through a bizarre series of connections, I don't see there is any dominant political view, although the funny thing about the Model Railroaders is that there is a distinct subset who are clergy. <laughs> and it's actually quite surreal because they, it's a big enough group that I'd thought of starting up a Facebook group just to capture them. Right. Yeah, I and, guess. And have a subgroup for the clergy. I mean, that's, that's exactly the point. Yeah. That's the point. So, well, you could have the clergy um, and the non clergy. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. The, um, so I've, I've recalled what the uh, Jonathan Reinhardt point was. 
I um, I noticed that you were on uh, the political compass as well. I really like the political compass primarily because it shows how completely alienated I am from everyone else politically. But um, I noticed that Jonathan Reinhardt was on the political compass and he comes out as a moderate communist, <laughs> which I put back to him, which he loved. Actually, he yeah. really he really enjoyed well, our riffing on bad, him. That, that's <laughs> not an unreasonable position to have. You know, well, I think he should I embrace think, it. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, rather than being a young Republican, he needs to embrace his true moderate communist roots and get on with it. Uh, but no, I really do like the political compass because, firstly, I think it d- describes an additional dimension. And secondly, for me personally, it, it shows how completely alienated I am from everyone else I know politically, uh, which is a curious thing in and of itself. But... Um, have you played? I mean, you've you've entered your you've answered the questionnaire and you've seen where you fall in the political compass. But have you thought about it at all? Oh yeah, I th- I've thought about. I've spent out many hours considering the importance of a, having an opinion in these areas, and um, and I came to the conclusion that that stuff's interesting. I guess psychologically, maybe, but again, is when you. If you're committed to the view about the caterpillar and the butterfly, it's just I'm not really interested in analyzing uh, the disintegrating caterpillar. Uh, I think that's all part of the old system that I expect to see evaporate in the next 30 to 50 years. The real question is what kind of systems are we going to use to uh, govern ourselves? And we need to start thinking about that. So I don't really give a shit about politics, except as where, like, I actually voted recently, lost, two, two, down two out of three now. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, it was my wife's first election as well. I tried to convince her not to, but yeah. she did it anyway. Well, I'm glad I did it. I thought that was an important, to me, issue. I think maybe more Certainly. important than that. And... Um, I still don't see how the government, how people accept the fact that some group of people can tell me what I can put in my body. <laughs> but I found I found your recent discussion with Chibi, is that the fellow's name? Chibi says Monica? Yeah. It's really curious because certainly of the cannabis users that I've known, after about, I guess, the age of maybe 14, 15, they really do shore up their sources and know exactly what kind of cannabis they're getting to the point where it almost becomes a kind of obsessive, you know, interest in terms of knowing not only the strains but also the local well, regions. Well, if you don't have anything their... else more important in your life, then you can make that important. <laughs> well, except, well, except it's what you're putting into your body, which I think was really curious in your discussion that you... You roll the dice, basically. You get a bag. You, you, if it's to your liking, you keep it. If it's not, you throw yeah, it away. Why, but that's why I wanted to be able to start growing my own, so I could control mm. the whole thing. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I and agree with you. I mean, I've got pretty good sources, and I usually do okay. In fact, I always do okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, it works. But it would mm. be even better. It, it, but it's still a crapshoot, and sometimes it's better than others. And uh, I'm enough of a scientist, to, I'm sure, within a couple of months, I could figure out a way to put together a very small system that would give me everything I will ever need for the rest of my life, as mm. far as cannabis goes. Mm. 
Yeah, my my understanding from people I knew in California who had uh, the medical card was that they, at the dispensaries, could actually get very well-strained, very well, you know, their specific whatever they wanted in the full spectrum. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That may be worth investigating. <laughs> yeah. Find out just exactly, you know, consult with them, really, and find out exactly what I want to get. Yeah, and I mean, certainly through the stuff that you describe with regards to your back and various other ailments, I mean... It oh, I be- know. Oh, I could. No, I already examined that. But I, it's cheaper for me to buy it illegally than to buy it legally. <laughs> okay, fair you enough. Know. But uh, but I might do that. Uh, like I say, to, to get you know to test some different strains and um, you know see that as part of my investment. You mm. know, until I find just exactly what I want, and then um, and then I'll know what to do. Yes. Yes. I guess it's exactly what you're describing in terms of the notion of being a scientist with regards to these kind of things. And uh, it's not, I mean, you're right, it's a culture in and of itself that people can, you know, divide lifetimes for. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I just, it struck me as quite curious that you of all people would basically roll the dice with regards to that kind of thing. Well, living but, in Los Angeles is rolling the dice. Driving on the freeway is I rolling the me. dice. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, I so don't tell me about rolling dice. <laughs> I think mean, you've rolled a few dice. Yes, yes. Oh, believe me, no, I, I hear you. I, I guess I guess one's more select. I, yeah, I, I guess I'm relatively selective about the dice that I roll. Well, I think I'm relatively selective too. I, I th- I'm, a, I'm appalled at the dice I see most people rolling. True, mm, true. <laughs> oh, listen, and I and I need to say something uh, that's an aside, but back to we. We were talking about a movie. Uh, I don't remember what it was now. Something you brought up, I think. But I wanted to speak about a movie I watched last night that I thought was really interesting. And it's called The Joneses. Have you heard of it? Is it about um, the Guyana Joneses? <laughs> no, no. no <laughs> not far from that. It's a sort of satire on consumerism. Oh, okay. And it say- is, and it's called the Joneses, and it's probably available most places, I guess. And there's really nothing I can tell you other than it's a satire on consumerism, because you, you don't you you sort of learn something over time over the first half hour about what's actually going on because it's it's a little misleading in the beginning. I, and, I, and that's saying too much already. I've already fucked up by saying that much, but. <laughs> But uh, I think you'll you'll find it um, stimulating. Let's say. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll put that in my. And I'd love oh. to hear your response to it. Okay. Uh, Is it currently out? Did you? I'll see. If it's I don't the- know. I down. It must be available. It because I downloaded a Blu-ray version off the yeah. internet, so it's clearly been released. It's probably available on Netflix. Yeah, I'll I'll order it through DVD or um or through their live streaming. Uh, because yeah, it's certainly, it, I, I, I don't think I've ever watched a Heronstone recommended title as yet. I think one of them, the, the thing I, is that, sorry, no, go continue. Ahead. I, I guess the thing is that I need to be in a particular mood to watch particular films and the two previous, well, although I don't know, did, was it the Japanese wife? Yeah, that was one. Yeah. The Japanese wife didn't sound, there wasn't enough description, but the other one, the martyrs just sounded too brutal and I found myself, yeah. 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 
being less interested in being brutalized. And, yeah, yeah, and no, you're right. You have to be in the mood for for that kind of stuff. Uh, yes, yeah, you have to be feeling really strong. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I haven't been feeling that way for recent weeks. So yeah, just been, yeah, I can't take much of that. No, I've never even seen anything like that before. I mean, mm. you know, that it's like I, apparently there is a whole. Well, I mean, obviously there's there's a whole genre for every fetish that exists. So. Mm. Uh, But but this mm. movie I would say is certainly not brutal. Well, it is brutal in some ways, but it's much more intellectual and clever and witty. Okay, you know, well, I mean, it's an, it's very entertaining as well as very dark in some ways. Hmm. Hmm. So we've talked previously about this notion of discomfort, and I've certainly found in recent weeks my level of discomfort has grown dramatically. And I can't attribute it to any one thing, but I've certainly talked to my wife about it because it, I, I guess I had this kind of emotion just before I left the UK and it really motivated my move. I don't think I'm off the, at the stage of my life where I would just get up, grab the wife, maybe a cat or two and leave, but I am getting to that sense of just... I don't know, pervasive irritability associated with my current existence. So some, and it's a, some sort of big change is coming. Yes, I think, well, I'm, my hope is that just by getting this text out there and seeing where that goes, that may be part of it. But I found kind of false nirvana in the past with these kind of releasing things. And I do really feel, I guess, probably next year, there are half a dozen places that I plan on going next year. Um, I plan on going to Australia next year. But I also, I have so many friends on the east coast of the U.S. that it's just getting ridiculous. I'm also amassing holidays through the job. I mean, we don't, typically the people I work with don't actually take holidays, but I'm now getting to a kind of three-week stage in terms of the holidays that I have racked up. So I've got a number of friends on the east coast, and I also haven't been back to the east coast for about 10 years now. So have you spent any time on the east coast? Nope. You've never been? Well, I've, I, I, I've been there, but I wouldn't say I spent any time there. I spent a week or so in Florida and, okay. and a day or two in Boston, and okay. uh, that's about it. Yeah. So I spent probably about three weeks in New York, about a week in Boston. Um, and, yeah, I've, I've been various other places on the East Coast. I'd spent a month in Washington, D.C., which I found absolutely fascinating. Not actually in Washington, D.C., but in Maryland, in Roseville. Uh, so, I don't know, I just have a group of people that I know solely through, well, some that I actually have met previously, but a large group of people that I know solely through online communication. And I think if I'm going to take a holiday, I might as well meet these people. But in parallel, I want to get back to Australia as well. So I'm kind of anticipating that maybe getting this text out in a variety of forms and things will happen next year. But I don't know whether that's the generation discomfort, the light change, what it is. But um, something's got to give. Well, that's, I think, the important realization is that something is happening here and it's going to take its own time, really. And mm. you just have to keep your eyes open and, uh, <laughs> you know, and yeah. try to formulate, you know, whatever intentions you can formulate. And uh, and keep your eyes open for opportunities, and you know. Yeah, I think the notion of keeping your eyes open for opportunities is actually 
would give the sense that your eyes could actually see the opportunities. Well, until no, you, well, no what I'm suggesting uh, is that... It's metaphorical, you, I understand. Yeah, but no, I mean, but I, okay, go ahead. I, that's I what I'm saying. What, it's about having the intent. Without the intention, uh, you can't see anything. Mm, if you've I, got a, an articulated goal, mm, then then information has a different meaning. Mm, I guess uh, there are numerous articulated goals. I think the... I mean, if I if I kind of reconstruct the past 15 years, if not past decade, in terms of transitions, moves, and these kind of things, they haven't always had... Well, they've always had articulated goals in terms of locations, and but it's dealing with the circumstances as they arise and the ability to deal with dynamic change, which is something that's been relatively constant through the past 15 years. And really, in the past five years... And in part, some of this is also to do with the fact that my in-laws are of failing health currently. Uh, and I guess, basically, this is also kind Your of... Your wife's parents? Yeah, 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 anticipation, yes, of, uh, of firstly them retiring and basically having nothing to retire with. And also, my father-in-law, is his health is deteriorating rapidly. Um, so... I guess that is the thing that's going on in the background. In my world, we just take him out and shoot him. Well, he may actually probably, he may opt for that um, solution. <laughs> so I mean, once... that, I'm quite serious about that. There, that's really the the attitude I've taken for my own life. Mm. I've never, you know, I figured if I get sick, I'll probably mm. die. Mm. <laughs> you it's, know? it's funny that, yeah. No, he's, um, he's basically gone blind overnight and various other things. Which I mean, I I don't get the sense that it's reversible. Yeah. Um, so his his health is just deteriorating dramatically. My grandfather on my father's side went blind in the last year of his life, as part of basically I guess a, a body shutdown mechanism. He was phenomenally old though and survived on half a lung and various other things for about twenty five years. Mm-hmm. He through my entire time that he was alive that I knew him he had less than three months to live over that entire period <laughs> and the, the fight was good in him um, yeah. but I think with my father-in-law more uh, he's just completely exhausted California has taken it out of him I mean the the business that he's built over the past how many years has collapsed 25 how old is he? he's he's only in his mid-50s oh. Uh, but he's lived a hard life. I mean, basically, he's worked himself into this condition. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, so, uh, we all get what we create, you know? I mean, mm. it, it, well, I mean in the... conjunction with luck, you know, <laughs> the, I mean, there is that, but, I mean, yeah. but that's, that's unknowable, so it's not much point in paying attention to it. For the mm. most part, it's our reactions to circumstances that create our lives. It's not the circumstances. Mm, very true, very true. And I think, uh, yeah. So this is going on in parallel, plus some additional things with my wife um, associated with her potentially acquiring a business or actually her success. She is doing very well for herself currently after uh, a couple of years of, of being unemployed. Um so I think she built up a great degree of momentum over this period and has now hit the ground running, um, which, you know, I think may strengthen the in-laws in some regard if they move here. 
Although if they move in with us, it's going to be very interesting, these stone-ape reportings going into the future. But I'm sure I'll uh, build myself a glass house or something and record out there. Is that a, a, a high likelihood of happening, do you think? It's been, um, uh, I wouldn't use the term threat, but it's certainly been mentioned for the past year. Uh-huh. Uh, By I think whom? That, well, by my wife and the in-laws. Uh, but all of them, in other words, saying, why don't you let that, why don't we move in there? I think there are there are various problems associated with the in-laws moving in. For a start, they own four dogs, four well, large... Well, they hunt- can't bring their dogs with them. Buy no, dogs. they would... No, no, I know. Well, this is the thing. They also own a lot of firearms, and... Uh, no firearms, sorry. <laughs> well, this is the thing, you know. I mean, it's the, the... And they have a house full of stuff, which... Yeah. No, <laughs> no, that isn't going to work. If they're going to come live with me, yeah. uh, they're going to come here on my terms period so my wife has softened with regards to the firearms because she says they'll bring a okay no bullets (laughs) the the, the thing that strikes me is if my father-in-law can't see that's kind (laughs) of anticipation that's why he's blind so (laughs) (laughs) the firearms really less important but anyway i mean it's no that's a good point that's a yeah. Good and similarly, the gun dogs. But I mean, they, you know, they love their dogs. So what's going to happen with that? Um, but yeah, I think um, certainly. So when I say that there's going to be some dramatic change yeah. in the relatively near future, my yeah. anticipation is that uh, I will probably be moving out somewhere <laughs> in the near future. Um, and, yeah, and leave that, might, to... that might be necessary. Yes. Well, yes. well, who knows? There's a world of options. And, the world uh, possibilities, yes. Yeah, and, and one of them will get realized. <laughs> yes, very true, very true. But, yeah, very interesting times currently, Aaron. Oh, and yeah. I really... Well, see, that's what you get for hanging out with them humans. I know. <laughs> you know? I, just, I, know. Yeah, I, could, I don't know how you do it. You're, you're, you're a pillar of strength. I would have gone crazy. I would have killed somebody probably. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why I left, because I knew that if I st- stayed around... Uh, you know, in in some sort of domestic situation that I would probably end up in jail. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there was a phrase that my co-workers in the UK would say to each other, particularly the people that have been married 15 plus years. And the phrase was, you'd be out by now. <laughs> Which is that's great. I'm, I, that's so great. I think you've selected the country you should live in, Heron, because England is just full of that kind of humor. So, I've always liked British humor. It's yes. true. Yes. Well, I could leave Benny Hill, but yeah. But, but no, I think uh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I find I find amusement from it. I mean, I you know, married life isn't easy, but it's a uh, it's a particular kind of commitment, and I think there are, there are probably more pluses than minuses. Well, I think it's an individual thing. I think it, it's absolutely the perfect thing for some people, <laughs> and it's an okay thing for other people, and it's a complete disaster for others, and the, the trick is finding out which category you're in. <laughs> very true, very true. So That's yes. why I consider myself very fortunate, because it was really clear to me very young that I probably was not cut out for marriage. Hmm. So I, I never wasted, I'd say after the age of 21, uh, th- that was never a real possibility. 
In terms of our general discussion associated with wikis, the site, formation of information, and your general project electronically going into the future, do you have any updates in terms of your thinking? Well, I've been thinking about it a lot. And um, one of the things I'm thinking about doing is I inhabit a number of Usenet groups. And I'm thinking about... um, inviting some people there on some of those to join me on uh you know talking and see uh, see what what that might do so do you have a sense in terms of all of your recordings how you could filomate them specifically so if you were on a particular usenet <clears throat> group you could recommend that they listen to a certain feed i mean maybe even creating a a, a unique set of RSS oh, feed. That's or... a, that's a great idea, <laughs> and you also know how many hours that would take to uh, to actually realize something like. That. Do you have any recollection of the? I mean, this is the thing that strikes me. There are about seventy, maybe eighty biota podcasts that I want to put in transcription form, and as you describe, I have very and this is in the past two years. I have very slim recollections of most of them. I remember thinking this one was particularly interesting, but it's only going back and I'm now listening to them again in my spare time to try yeah. and work out what are the bowl. So I do agree with you. However, I think if you have if you have a sense of particular speakers, there's probably ways that you could cut down the amount of time that you need to invest in getting these things together. Oh, there's all... Well, actually, you know, I'm really fortunate in, in that uh, a friend of mine in Austria is actually listening to my entire backlog of recordings from the Skypecast days and and giving me initial ratings on them. Mm. Uh, either they're either were I send him twenty to twenty five at a time, and I get back uh, maybe seven or eight that are that he says I should listen to, and one or two that he says are really really good. Mm. Interesting. But I haven't heard, I mean, I've listened to a couple of them, but I've already got a whole bunch of those, but I haven't even listened to those. So, you know, and I don't know how far I can trust him either, you know, so. <laughs> but, um, so, for example, when I created, there was, a, there was a press of Biota CDs that I put out maybe three years ago for an academic conference, and then there was about 150, maybe 200 hours of audio that I went through and catalogued where I just listened probably it's a it's a funny thing the memory of a conversation because I for some of them I only listen need to listen to the first five minutes and I know immediately where they're going yeah and some I need to listen to for 20 or 30 minutes and then it just comes back to me yeah and I guess I don't know what what Usenet groups you would think of specifically in terms of an introduction but some people don't this is a very specific thing about Gendo uh, mm. And it, it's, it's going to go to the Zen Buddhism groups. Mm. Yeah. I guess most of the people that I've invited to either talk on Biota Live or this podcast, well, this podcast specifically, very few of the people I've invited on have heard it previously. They just come on and have some kind of trusting sense yeah. that the stuff they've done previously. But um, with Biota, uh, probably about two thirds of the people that come on Biota are, are, have listened to the back catalogue and have some knowledge of it. But it is an interesting thing. Maybe, I don't know if people actually need to hear the back catalogue 
if you have a sense of trust that you've already developed, do you post frequently on these on the Usenet groups? Um, you know, I've been a lurker and poster for years. Okay. Uh, more of a lurker, and occasionally I, I've ended up in you know flame, you know, getting flamed because of my <laughs> provocative style. I was sho- I really uh, was shocked at the uh, at the vicious personal attacks that I received in the English language groups mm-hmm. because uh, of my punctuation. <laughs> I mean, now I think it's sort of funny. In yeah. fact, I enjoy it. It's sort of like, you know, watching one go off. You know, you know there's a, a bunch of uptight people who are just looking for something to get invested in. Mm. And as soon as they see my re- inverted punctuation, they just freak out. <laughs> you mentioned this actually because I have an artificial life forum that I've been working on, kind of the back burner. I've had a couple of people who've been working more heavily, an artist and a, a student, an artificial life student. But we're about to launch the forum, and I've really been irked by forums and Usenet groups in the past for exactly this reason. The fact that the people that really become obsessively interested in these areas, in fact, it's effectively shut down the artificial yeah. life mailing yeah. list that I created because one of these individuals will just go out and attack anyone who comes in. And, and it's just like, what's even the yeah. purpose Well, you of this have thing? to get rid of people like that. You throw their ass out and say, mm. goodbye, fuck you. Mm. I, I've been wanting to do this this individual, and unfortunately I think it's just closed down the group, basically. But I, I do see that these kind of um, venues, electronic venues, lend themselves very heavily to people that have far too much time on their hands and are probably way too obsessed about these particular things. It's a really difficult... Uh, line to trip, particularly if there are a group that would be, you know, that are curious and would like to be introduced to some of this material, that's the real difficulty. Well, that's what I keep saying is that the the issue, I know there's a market out there for what I do. I know there's a group of people out there who are thinking along similar lines. They may not know that they're thinking along these lines yet, but they are. And there are others who actually do, but maybe have a very different vocabulary. But my sense is we're all somehow need to come together. And uh, so the more I can put out there, then I, hopefully somebody will respond to it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I run with the same mantra, exactly the same mantra. And the, uh, the, the point is really getting the stuff out there and then seeing who actually responds. And sometimes yeah. actually being quite shocked by... As we discussed last week with Jonathan, <laughs> yeah. sometimes being quite shocked with the people that respond. Yeah, yeah, it's humbling, I'll tell you. <laughs> I think the thing that the thing that really strikes me through this medium, and this is why I'd like to start actually putting myself in venues where I could meet people that listen to this kind of stuff, because I have I have found in the past there's a fellow who came through Las Vegas um, who I met with him and his brother-in-law, and I took my wife out to dinner with with the four of us, and it was really quite fascinating because I realized there were some topics we could talk on, and then there were some topics which were just quite tangential. They ended up talking about various bizarre family histories and things like that. It was was quite striking to me that uh, just by putting information out there, you select a very interesting group. I mean, I find this with Model Rail Radio in particular. The folks who are participants on that are... 
very much, you know, self-selecting in terms of their particular passions and their particular interests, but it is a growing group of people. Yeah. Well, so, because it has a good self-identity. You know, I mean, it's something, it's a good, strong identifier. Mm. So what is Stone Ape's strong identifier, then? What are these discussions it, well, that we have? I, I, it doesn't place? have one. That's, that's exactly... <laughs> You know, in fact, in fact, I think that the more I have had had a thought that the word long format or whatever it is, that's deadly. You know, they're 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 as long as they need to be. They don't have to be labeled long format. It, it's intimidating. You want something that's going to make people go ooh. <laughs> so how would you? So so what's the sexy term? Or is there no sexy term for long format? Um, why is that an even important thing to say? It, I think there's a, a couple people, of words. there's a group of people that are very receptive to the fact that a lot of the media that's available, even within podcast form, is very soundbite-centric yeah. and that's concatenated to the point where you, they can't get into topics in any great detail. And also there's this, this underlying marketing. So over the past weekend... There were two large train shows, and there were on-the-spot reporters for Model Rail Radio submitting audio to me. Yeah, probably. Oh, hell, two- they were probably on the television too. I mean, if they were thinking, I mean, that's a perfect thing for TV to cover. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> the two-thirds of the audio that they provided were basically infomercials for the for the participants that they interviewed. They went to manufacturers and these kind of things. Yeah. And the thing that struck me is that none of what we do here, and really I try to do this with Model Rail Radio really strongly because the, that is really the other contrast with the other Model Rail podcasts, is I'm not interested in selling anything on Model Rail Radio. I'm interested in getting the passion of people talking about yeah, tracks. right. And I think people are very receptive to a format which isn't trying to advertise something, push some view down their throat, yeah. and is actually just people talking. Well, but I am trying to push a view down their throat. <laughs> uh, I, I, I own up to that, you know? Well, yes, I guess, yeah. And even this is against the NPR model, because NPR is, you know, is. I mean, there, there's nothing that exists out Listen, there. Stone Ape is nothing other than Tom Barbelay and Heron Stone and whoever else comes in here and talks. Exactly. That's what it is. Labeling it anything is, uh, well, like I say, if, labeling it for what? For the library? Okay. Labeling it for marketing purposes? Well, maybe it should be labeled differently. I'm not but sure how people, important accuracy is when <laughs> when the the aim of it is to get as many people here as possible. I think the thing that interests me is that if people don't know who you or I am, then... <laughs> well, w- well, how could they not know who you and I are? Well... <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> well, well, they will after they first listen to this thing, but then getting them... Uh, well, that's get- why I'm saying is that, that the, the thing to get them here doesn't have to describe reality at all. It can just be a bunch of catchwords that are intriguing. Mm, yeah, without being, okay. It doesn't so, even have to be a sentence with a period on the end of it. So you've deconstructed this thing perfectly here and now reconstruct it into something. 
well, how about just a list of uh, catchwords? Of the, again, just the list of the of the words that that we're filtering for. Period, and and, and something provocative like join us. <laughs> or or something even weirder. That's not all that weird. I don't know, but that's a that's a start. I kind of like that. But you know, hmm. it's your <laughs> it's your baby. Yeah, okay. So well, just put that in with all the other ideas. You know, I mean, you're running it the way it is for a while, you're going to learn a lot from that. Yes. Yeah. Well, what I learn is with one test case with 14 click-throughs having gotten 130,000. And so, getting 10 for 3,300. Well, see, that tells you something, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it does. No, exactly. I think yeah. the, the audience for Model Rail Radio is, is there. Different. Yeah, they, they know who they are, and you use the magic words. See, I think we should just use the word epistemology. How about clinical epistemology? Okay, I will run the clinical <laughs> epistemology spot. Clinical <laughs> epistemology. Etc. Et ETC. ETC. Okay. Um, do you want Stone Ape in the, like, the click-through thing, or should it just be clinical epistemology, etc., and then no actual text? Oh, I don't know. Uh, you, I mean, you're doing this now as we talk? I'm just I'm outlining what it oh, might. Oh well, look. I'm trying to I'm I, I'm trying to see it. I'm trying to maybe I should go to a, a page. No, no, I'm just trying to think what will the what will the link through title be that they click on? Oh. Will that be clinical epistemology or? Oh, 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 that's right. It doesn't even have to be Stone Ape podcast. It can be yeah. any damn thing under the sun. I don't know about that one yet. That's something I think I I think we should think about. I mean, it may be better to actually if it is the Stone Ape. I mean, that may be the thing to call it, or maybe not, but let's think about that. We don't need to solve this right now. Well, we do if I'm going to run it before the next show. Well, you don't have to run it before the next show. Okay. Okay. I'm not in any hurry. I'm more in interested in getting it right than, than getting good. it fast. Well, um, maybe I can set this as homework for you, Heron. Well, no, let's just talk about it for a Okay, let's talk about it. Very Now's good. a good a time as any, I guess. Very good. Well, certainly better than leaving it with you to forget about. That's so right, because i got other things to do. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so. So let me go to... Um, my page and just remind myself of the format of what these things look like. Oh, yeah, because so you got those blue words at the top. Yeah, the click-through words. Okay. And, um, yeah, so so the so the question that's at, on the table right now is do we call it the Stone Ape Podcast or... Oh, I cut the word podcast. I should have mentioned that. Since our last recording, I removed the word podcast from it. It just says Stone Ape. Cool. cool. And that increased the click-throughs. Oh, I bet it did. I bet it did. Stone yeah. Ape, one word or two words? Two words. Okay, Stone Ape. Okay, that, well, that's that's certainly better than Stone Ape Podcast. Yeah, that's not that bad at immediately. all. Yeah, that's know, no fun them. at all. Who the hell yeah. wants to listen to a long-format podcast? Okay, oh, we've, we've moved beyond that one there. <laughs> Okay, and then we get a logo of some sort, and that can, of course, be anything we want. Yep. And then you've got, you know, what, seven lines down there. Yeah, which we only have filled with clinical epistemology, etc., ETC. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, I still like my original idea is just what, what were the filter words we were using before? Oh, a wide variety, but yeah. just putting wide variety and then cl clinical epistemology is the click-through? No, uh... 
Well, Stone oh, Ape is no, the picture. Uh, leave it Stone Ape for now. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not. I mean, maybe we'll get this thing done tonight, or maybe we won't. But at least we'll. I'll, I've never thought about this seriously. So this is. <laughs> this is. Uh, you have to bear with me here okay. a little bit. I'm not leaving you. Know? you. I'm going to do what you said to do, Harry. Yeah. Do well, I don't. Like I say, I don't need to resolve that. I'd like something. Stone Ape has never really inspired me. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's okay, but but I don't know, and I don't. It's a compromise on both fronts. Let's just put it yeah, that well, way. Well, maybe we can even come up with a better name for that. Then let's 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 be open to an even better name showing up, <laughs> like, like clinical epistemology. Well, no, probably not that. So, what are you thinking, Heron? Well, I'm thinking, what are the the catchwords or the phrase, you know, the words that you were filtering for. I, I, I definitely want to see epistemology in there. What are, what are the other, what is it that we do? What is this <laughs> let me about? Click, let me click the thing. Let me get the words up because I think the PDF that I sent you previously did not have all the words in there. Donate podcast. Countries. Okay. And the words are anthropology, ethics, linguistics, metaphysics, mythology, philosophy, psychology, quantum physics, or Terence McKenna. <laughs> okay, that's good. And the United States, I added New Zealand, Canada, United Kingdom, or Australia. I did add Australia. And it's from 18 through 33, inclusively, male, female, doesn't matter, who are not already connected to the Stonehenge podcast on Facebook. I was, read that uh, that last part again. This is the the people it's going to. Okay, so I'll read the restrictions. It yeah, I'll read it in order. Okay, so it goes to who live in one of the countries: United States, oh, okay. New Zealand, Canada, United Kingdom, or Australia. Okay, between the ages of eighteen and thirty-three. Why are you cutting it off at thirty-three? I don't know. I did this late on a Friday evening. I'm not answering any of these kind of questions. Okay, well, can we change that? Certainly, yeah. I mean, what, so let's, why let's do you get some old farts in here? Okay. Hell, I'm an old fart, so okay. let's get so some old farts in here. 75 will be the future cutoff date. Why, uh, 75, is it, do you have to have a cutoff date? I'm Don't they sure, have dead uh, or something like that? Let's, or? Yeah, let's put that. Okay. <laughs> no dead okay, No. No. Okay, I can edit this live. Why don't I edit it live? Yeah, okay, it's uh, from 18. No, let's start it at 14. I can't do that. They only they only start at eighteen. I oh, think. Oh really? Okay. Oh no, they don't. Any any age. That's what we want. Any okay, age. Okay. Well, just put any age. The hell with any it. age. There we go. Okay. Any age. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if they're up for it, I'm up for it. Very good. So, United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand. Can't we just say everybody? Okay. Let's see if I can. Let's see if I can. I don't think it's liking that. I don't think it's liking that at all. Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm removing countries, and it's just going, uh-oh. The target parameters are invalid, so we cannot produce provide an estimate. Okay, so I'm going to have to re-enter all those. United States. Oh, you didn't copy it before you got rid of it? Not, it's not, though. No, they're solid data blocks. They, uh, as they do on Facebook, as you do with, like, addresses, they parameterize it. Uh, Canada... Uh, what are we? Australia, New Zealand, uh, South Africa. Uh, I'm just adding more yeah. countries. Well, Australia. listen, Belgium for sure. Actually, it, it hasn't picked up Australia. What on earth is going on? Australia. What on earth is going on? 
Australia. No matches found. <laughs> oh, I previously they, put they, in Australia. They, they didn't a... bother to tell you. Uh, you <laughs> South you Africa. You the news tonight. Yeah, I must have missed that one. <laughs> Damn it. New Zealand. Okay. Uh, so what other countries do we want? Belgium. Belgium. Netherlands. Yeah, absolutely. Get the Benelux. All of their, their, those, everybody over there speaks, ex, hell, they speak better English. Yeah, than Germany. Yeah, okay. Uh, where else yeah, would we pick? And, and, uh, Norway and, and uh, Sweden. You know, and Estonia. And <laughs> <laughs> Norway. Sweden. Estonia. <laughs> okay, so we got a few uh, now. How about Kazakhstan? Uh, Kaz- oh wow, it's got there. Okay, Kazakhstan. Okay, okay good. All so right. I think that's enough have, to start. We now with. have roughly one and a half million people just through the things that we've selected for. Okay. So let's go down here. So now we're um, going to get selective. Yeah. Likes and interests. I wanted to try reading. Um, reading. Okay. All right. Well, well, let's put. Uh, oh, oh, 10, 10 million, 10 million people just from reading alone. Yeah. Okay. And you want epistemology? Yeah. Yes. Actually, take yeah, take the other one out and just put epistemology. And see how many people. Have. Oh, you want to see? Uh, that will take a lot of re-entering if I remove all of these, but I will do that. Why well, don't I do? I, just, just for this one, first one, I'm just curious how many I have hits. Epistemology. Let me just. I've got to delete all the remainders and then re-enter them. It doesn't give you individual. No, you have to. You have to go back to the. So, uh, we've lost. We've lost a considerable number. Okay, epistemology. Ah, five thousand three hundred and twenty people in the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. 5,000 people picked epistemology. Okay, good. That's got to be in there. That's amazing. I'm, 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 I'm impressed. Well, actually, that's a small... Yeah, what per, Don't tell me what percent that is of the people of, what, 500 million. Yeah. <laughs> so 5,000. Uh, yeah. so well, that's need to... about right. See, that's just about what I'm talking about. That's my market. <laughs> so you into philosophy, I and don't... that jumps to six... Hundred and fifty-three thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, so what else do we need? Wait a I can I can do this myself, can't I? Certainly. I mean, I can go ahead and create. You know, you can create your stone ape. Oh, and I can is, create my version of it. Let me see. I probably need to make you an admin, and that's all I need to do. Let me make you an admin, and then you can create your own stone ape version. Put your own thirty bucks up, Aaron. No, I can't do that. <laughs> no, I'm, I, no, I'm quite serious. I, I live on the edge so, financially, so that's, that's okay. the question. Well, why don't we then design it then, rather than, because if I'm putting the money up, then I'll be doing the editing. Oh, I see. Oh, that's right. No, but I meant I could design it myself. I don't think you can actually access it unless you're putting up the money. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, they they do make can't, it. Can't I sneak into yours? <sighs> um. I guess you could, Heron. Well, uh, I don't want to, you know, we could talk about this some other time. You can edit all this out <laughs> if you want to. Well, I don't necessarily think it's particularly bad, but I mean, I think the, um, what I could do is create a, a, uh, fictitious user. Well, you, know what, me, you know what? Listen, I'll tell you what. What I, I can see exactly what is here. I mean, there, there's the blue text, which is, what, what do you call that? The link. The link. Okay, that's the link. And then below that, there's a, 
a URL or at least, yeah, there's a URL on all of these things or some something anyway. And that is what? That's the link itself or what? What is that, that URL? No, no, the, the, well, no, the blue thing is the link, which is yeah. the... And then the stuff below that is the... Um, well, that's just the, the body text, I would call it, I guess. Oh, I see. Actually, there's the... the Although, the, yeah, it looks like they're separate links. They're really not. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, yes, they are. Well, in any case, uh, and then there's the icon and that symbol, and then there's X number of lines of text. It looks like yeah. up to seven at least. So, um, and that's it. So, you know, what we should do is not waste any more time here because I haven't really given this any serious thought. Uh, last time I, I knew we needed to have a conversation about it, and I'm glad we did because... I'm really thinking real hard about this right now. <laughs> now, let's hope I can click out and not actually save any of that stuff. Well, you so do we... what you want for right now because you've already got it there, and you can just dump all these changes, right? Well, that's my hope. I'm just clicking through and making sure that I can actually hopefully dump all the changes. Let me yeah. just uh, make sure that I have actually dumped the changes and it's gone back the, so the way it originally was. Previously mentioned uh, slightly dubious long format one. Yeah. Okay. And yep, no, that's looking fine. That's looking fine. Okay. okay. Yeah, and, and what I need to do um, is give it, give this some thought. Now, I would imagine over the next couple of days, I'm going to start getting some ideas. Okay. And uh, and and there's actually, there's no reason in the world. You know, actually, what do you think about this idea of renaming the Stone Ape Podcast to something else? Well, I think if you float a name that I'm sympathetic to, then I'd be sympathetic to that idea. As 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 it is now, it's a good compromise, I think. Well, it's it's yeah, I think it is. I agree with you, but it's I don't know for some reason I just don't like it. <laughs> you know, and I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it's because it sounds too much like my stone axe. You well, know? also it's a Terence McKenna the stoned ape with a D on the. Is a Terence McKenna thing as oh, well. Oh, really? I've never heard him put Haven't those you? two words together. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. All right. Ah, well, that's, oh, I didn't understand that reference. I might have a more warm <laughs> feeling to this <laughs> now. Yeah. Well, I mean, my my connection with the term as we've described is Sun Wukong the... Well, why uh, don't we call it Stone Dape? Because I don't think that... I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable being affiliated with that because it's nothing that I. I mean, it's not that. Well, I mean, blame I'm not it on me. Tell yeah, well, I blame on Stone it. on you, and but I mean, I think I, in terms of things that I want to be affiliated with, I'm already affiliated with a wide variety of things, including a large portion of the psychedelic community, with my actual name, and it's not. Uh, so I I prefer okay, Stone. All right. Okay, I got you. Right. The, views, the, the McKenna files who are listening in probably already know. Does it know have these to have any reference to either one of us? I mean, why does it have to reference you or me? I mean, the whole thing is to get other people involved with this thing anyway. It's not just you and me. Yeah, my concern here, Heron, is that I, well, I'm interested in you floating another name, but I think probably any name that we could find, either of us, the other one could find objections with. Well, but let's be open to the possibility that either you or I might come up with an idea that we both really like a lot. Exactly. I'm happy with that, too. And okay. it, but as far as I'm concerned, the, the muddle that is Stone Ape so far, I'm, okay, I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Maybe more comfortable than you are. But if well, you come up with a name, yeah, I'm, I'm more... Yeah, I got it. That sounds fair enough. Um, yeah. 
Anyway, I think it's probably well one of our one of our shorter recordings this evening. Unless you have any other topics that you'd like to float. Um, you know, hold on one second. Ah, is it the wine glass filling time? Uh, well, it could be if we're going to go on. <laughs> uh, but no, I just wanted to mention something. You were, t- and I don't remember this. This came up early in our conversation. Oh, about the sort of shotgun marketing, you know, of just of leaving cheap things to the wind, you know, to just cover lots of people. Yes. And and one of the things I wanted to do is to take my little Gendo logo and get them printed really nicely. This would be really expensive. It's hardly a, a, a good way of doing it, maybe. Anyway, uh, very well printed, beautiful with a sort of glossy cover and, and a peel-off stick back, you know. And, and the thing would be to get millions of these printed and get all, all the Gendo people around the world to leave these things randomly in places that people are unlikely to find them. <laughs> I mean, it's not like hiding them so that nobody will ever see them, but putting them in places where only sort of weirdos <laughs> will see them. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and just... With no uh, no um, explanation, uh, it's just the gendo, the Japanese symbols in the yin yang thing in red and black, and that's it. Boom! You just put them all over the world. I mean, why would I come up with something like that? I don't know. <laughs> so when we last talked, I mentioned that I was going to find a site for you that funds these kind of small ideas. Kickstarter. That's it. Kickstarter.com. So if you go to Kickstarter.com, you'll probably see a wide variety. Yep. So these are the projects they have. Uh, do you have Do you have it up? Hold on. No, it's Kickstarter. Yes. Well, this is something for me to look through and see, uh-huh. and see what's here. Yeah. But the idea is... Uh, pretty self-evident through the site that people have uh, a variety of different ideas that they float and people pledge. And there are people out there who have money who want to do things. Exactly. Yeah. And who come to the site. That's awesome. That's like, see, without the, how could anything like this ever have existed? Exactly. You know, it could, I mean, yeah, in paper, it just wouldn't work. It needs to be in real time. Hmm. Wow. And it works particularly well for things that have slightly eclectic artistic components to them. So it really is almost a challenge uh, to construct something which is ideally... To their liking, yeah. Exactly. Right, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so clearly, and there's a big list of things they have managed to put together. Oh, yes. So and you things can see the, currently... the kinds of stuff that they're doing. Okay. Yeah. And so who is this they? Who who is it that Who is Quickstarter? That is a very good Kickstarter. Let's see if there's a contact us, contact terms of use guidelines. Who are they? Have you joined this? Have you signed No I haven't. Um I can't think of if I've ever pledged money through it. I seem to recall that I may have pledged five bucks at one time for something, yeah. so I probably have a good login for it. Yeah. Uh what is Kickstarter? 
Kickstarter is a new way to find great. Okay, so that tells you absolutely nothing about who they are. Yeah. Um, let's go back to how. The, what are they taking a percentage? How do they? How do they make money? That is a very good question. Every Kickstart project must be fully funded before its time expires or no money exchanges hands. I think that's what happened to me. I, I pledged $5 and it was never taken. It's less risk for everyone. If you need 5000 it's tough having 2000 a bunch of people expecting you to complete a 5000 project. It allows people to test concepts or conditionally sell stuff without risk. It motivates uh, why do people support projects. So this isn't about investing, blah, blah, blah. Who can fund? How do I start a project? How does funding work? How do I make a pledge? It doesn't really well, tell. You know, I'll look. Obviously, I'm yeah. going to spend some time exploring this site here. And, Certainly. Uh, you know, we'll see see what's here. You know, it's it's it's. I'm in a curious position. You know, because I I am getting old <laughs> by some people's standards, anyway. And yet, I feel more relaxed about time. I don't feel. I don't really feel any pressure to do this in a hurry. But I but I guess that's because I expect to live a lot longer. <laughs> so But I do feel this urgency to get my work into the world. And again, like I was saying, I see it as these three things that if 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 anything justifies my existence, if if it needs justification, then uh any one of those three, if I could actually put them into the world, I, I would do it. You know, I would feel like I actually accomplished something. Hmm. So where do these recordings fit into that? Well, somebody may, you know, you never can tell who's going to listen to this. You know? Yeah, I certainly, I mean, I've, maybe I've just had, as my father says, I've probably just had low expectations. But I've certainly been able to fulfill a number of my life goals to the point where I don't really feel any... Well, that's completely wrong, because I feel uncomfortable every phase and just continue to do this. But in kind of reflection, as the bus comes hurtling towards me, I don't think I'll have any regrets in terms of the stuff that I've done, and particularly these audio recordings uh, being, you know, everything that I've recorded and put up there on the Internet Archive will, will live on beyond me. Yeah, what a tool for uh, anthropologists a thousand years from now, you know, to to listen to people having conversations at at this crucial time in history. Yes. You know, uh, these are valuable documents. Yes. I think, yeah, it'll be... I mean, uh, this is the wonderful thing about the internet. I mean, previously we would have had to have printed books and made sure that they were maintained and made sure that our great-great-grandchildren would insist that they would be scanned by the Internet Archive or Google or whatever. I mean, the ways in which information has persisted prior has, has never been as good as things are currently. What will be interesting is really if all this information... I mean, that's what the Internet Archive is fundamentally. It's just a huge amount of yeah, information yeah. that... Computing will catch up with, and eventually it will be processed in a very yeah. neat fashion. Oh yeah, it's it's just well, it's a new era of human history. This is this is totally new. This is this is a new world. This is why I you know again I don't have much interest in the in the caterpillar. You know, it, there's something coming over the next thirty to fifty years. We're going to witness the emergence of a new world. I think. 
I think that's inevitable. I mean, I think the, the, the definition of a new world, and certainly if you look at the past 30 to 50 years going back, probably, I don't know, it's a, be an interesting project to see how many, how many hundreds of years you would need to go back in order for the next 30 to 50 years not to be a new world. Well, it, you can go back to the Industrial Revolution. So you can go back to the 1700s. Uh, but, that, but that wasn't as fast as this anyway. That that was fast compared to the agriculture. But if you look at things like diet, um, the introduction of tobacco, I mean, there are a wide variety of things that even within those time frames, within 30 to 50 years, you would see distinct changes and impression that you were entering a new world. Well, the thing that happened during the Industrial Revolution is people moved off the land and into cities, and that upped the level of communication and everything. That changed the whole game. All of a sudden, you had millions of people living next to each other instead of scattered out in little villages all over the land. But there were relative agricultural and other improvements that existed a generation prior to the Industrial Revolution that kind of bumped up the populations that kind of fueled... I mean, I think... We think of the Industrial Revolution, rightfully so, as a, a very great turning point. But I think there were certainly things both 30 to 50 years prior and 30 to 50 years after the Industrial Revolutions that were equally world-changing. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, it's all part of a... Yeah, I agree. These are oversimplifications to pick one, one thing. But, if you, yeah, there are other maps for this territory, for sure. Yeah. It is a fascinating, uh, I guess this is the thing that interests me with regards to you know, talking to people that are particularly interested about certain times in history, because you do get a sense, a kind of keen sense. When I lived in the UK, for example, there was this perception, which I think must have come through in the schools because it was so heavily permeating the people that I met, that there was a time through the Dark Ages where people were just fundamentally different, that through whatever loss of information meant in terms of not having access to, I don't know, the written word or written history or these kind of things, that people stopped being creative, conscious creatures and existed almost like... Um, if you're familiar with Monty Python, I think it's the <laughs> life... It's not the life of Brian, it's the Holy Grail, yeah. where they just comment, oh, I'm filthy, oh, I'm more filth, you know. Yeah. And that, I think, is very much the description that I found my friends and co-workers in the UK of what the Dark Age period was, would have been like. Well, Whereas it probably my, depends on whether you were the king or whether well, you Well, this were... is exactly the... This is the Monty Python <laughs> point. But the thing that struck me was that children built elaborate toys over that period of time. I mean, mm. there was certainly... The human creative spirit, I think, takes a lot more than just removing information, and certainly what you find about isolated well, human Well, most people didn't have any information anyway to lose. Mm. Most people lived in a village and farmed and never moved more than five miles from where they were born. Mm. That was probably 90%, 95% of the population. Mm. So... You know, <laughs> and even after the industrial revolution, even though people had moved into cities, there was still that kind of. Um, well, that was that transition. That you know, yeah, they were carrying their ways of being and thinking from the village into the cities with them. Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I guess my sense is that there's still there are still radical creative forces which are just implicit to humans, which don't exist 
related to the amount of information that well, the humans can Listen to can the music of, of, of hunter-gatherers. People love to play music in every culture in the world, whether they rub rocks together to make a living or, you know, go to the disco. You mm. know, listen to the music of Africa or Thailand or any, you know, it's just awesome. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. This is the thing that struck me about the documentary on Idi Amin was that you could, and this same, same Vichy France, you could see the repressive culture represented very much through this idea of music. I mean, they couldn't even dance in, they couldn't have public dances in Vichy France. But um, this notion of psychological repression uh, from a kind of top-down sense really had very strong social uh, impact. I wonder if these same metrics could be used with regards to our, our current lives. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, they're not going to invite you on Channel 7. No, they're not. No, but I think there's something very real. I mean, the, the well, I told you about that movie about the, the striped pajamas, right? No, I don't oh, think I you did. Oh, this is another highly... Let me recommend this. You, at, at least as much as... It's called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. And okay. uh, it's about um, the upper echelon, the elite Germans during uh, the last part of World War Two. Oh, very interesting. And what's in one of the interesting things is that it's a British film, so everybody's <laughs> speaking with a beautiful British accent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just not easy to see the difference between America right now, you know, the industrial military elite Certainly, and, and 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 Germany in nineteen forty three. Yeah, you know, yeah, a fascinating movie. Now that's the thing that struck me about the. It was called The Eye of Vichy, which was it's just basically Vichy newsreels, and very occasionally you have resistance messages that get through, but it's just constant newsreels which are almost identical to the current propaganda that is being produced. I mean, it really is yeah. very striking <laughs> that we really well, have... Well, what is being produced now? See, because I don't know, since I don't watch that media. It, I mean, I don't know. You're talking about, like, Fox News? and Well, the whole, yeah, about? I mean, I think the the that aspect of it, but also the descriptions of real-world... I mean, matters of fact, just the, the framing of matters of fact, I think was fascinating in the documentary. And I think the thing that strikes me, the only television I see is through YouTube, but recently... Um, Have you ever watched Al Jazeera? Yes, yeah, I used to watch Al Jazeera religiously. Yeah, I love and, that. It's a great... Per <laughs> they're doing a wonderful job. Yeah, I used to watch the Arabic one, not the English one. The English one is, is considerably more moderate than the Arabic one, but I used to watch the Arabic one, irrespective of whether or not I could understand it. I knew where they were filming and what yeah. they were talking about, basically, through context. But, um, no, the English one... My, my mother lived in the UAE for a long period of time, and I showed her... And she speaks Arabic. Um, and I showed her Al Jazeera English, and she said there was a stuffy British aristocracy to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, well, that's part of their sales program, though. That's, <laughs> their, that's exactly the point. Exactly. If they didn't have that, they couldn't, you know, they wouldn't have any credibility. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So now I used to, uh, particularly through um, the early part of the current Iraq conflict, I used Al Jazeera very heavily when I was in the UK. 
uh, as a means of actually getting, and also through the um, the Ramallah situation, they provided real news. I mean, there was nothing like Al Jazeera over that period of time. And um, so, no, I'm very positive about that. I don't watch as much now. I just don't have time. I mean, this is the... Well, yeah, the, yeah, you got it. I, I don't watch it anymore either. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got yeah. But um, I like that it's out there. I think it's gone through some interesting iterations, and I think um, there should be more news networks like Al Jazeera. It just it, it strikes me phenomenally... It's, it's just... Very strange to me that there aren't half a dozen. Fun well, we're still living in a very primitive world. It's you know, being an alternative. Yeah, yeah, we're still living in the cat and the caterpillar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that when I go to, I mean, I I go into bookstores quite frequently now. That's really my passing addiction, and I can't find any books on the Viet Cong. I can't find any books that are actually holistic and explanatory associated with the Mujahideen and the Taliban. I just don't find any books that really explain this conflict in any form that is accessible and understandable other than uh, occasional uh, documentaries and things that I can find online. Yes, well, that should tell you something then, shouldn't it? (laughs) Well, what it tells me is that uh, I I think there would certainly be an audience to this. I find these movements, particularly their appeal to uh, educated Muslim men, young Muslim men, fascinating, and there needs to be a really good analysis of that. You know, that's fascinating. Wow. Because what they're doing is they're creating something which really appeals to a highly highly intelligent, probably highly idealized group. And the, the alternative just doesn't seem to be doing the same thing. Yeah. We need to start marketing to young Arabic men. Exactly. Or, or at least showing them that they are ultimately being used in a kind of greater porn game. Well, that, yeah, you got to get their attention first. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a bitter I, pill to swallow. So well, you got you got to sort of sneak up on that one. <laughs> the problem is that the the you need to understand at least fifty years of history. Yeah, I mean, what I found is well, actually that I, you need to, no. It's it's much deeper than that. They need to know the last ten thousand years of human of history. True. True. But, well, you're right. I mean, that, abs- it only takes an hour to cover that. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but it's it's very important. Most people have no sense of the last 10,000 years, of the last 100,000 years. I think people even have trouble understanding the last 10 years. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. But, I mean, I think it's important. Certainly. I don't see how people can really function and make sense out of what's going on today if they don't have some appreciation for what humanity has gone through really over the last 100,000 years. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, okay, so the, the dates keep getting longer. But, um, yeah, yeah, anyway... I won't say any more. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think the... Um, certainly in my own writing and my own thinking, trying to describe that movement in terms of particularly passionate young men and intelligent young men and their movement towards all kinds of views which basically are very well created and controlled 
is a is a curious thing. But I think that is that is the seed basically of this whole thing. Um, and how, how one how about a seed? Well, of this whole thing is it possible that there are some other <laughs> seeds? It's the important. Well, if you look at if you look at various mobilizations, including nine eleven, it is the most important seed. If that is understood, and if that if there is something which is, and I'm look, I'm not advocating here in any way, shape, or form that it's you know giving them a coke and a smile. I think there's something that's really fundamentally needed as an alternative here, but I think that it is the most pervasive force, the use of young men on both on both sides of the conflict without question, but a particular group of highly intelligent young men on one side of the conflict and the mobilisation of various peasant farmers and other things is, you know, is the thing that needs to be understood because the current narrative that's coming about how they hate our freedom and, you know, they just want to blow us up and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> it's just so pervasive yeah, and yeah, omnipresent yeah. that there needs to be an alternative and, narrative. And where that, is this, where is this uh, being, is this like Fox News and, and that, like... It's, I don't even, look, you know, the, people talk very negatively about Fox News. I can't find any any media source in this country, and even increasingly because the U.S. media method okay, so has been exported at least to yeah. the U.K. and certainly yeah. to Australia, it's very difficult to find. It's not Fox News. It's everything. It's, it, but, but when you say everything, you're talking about network news then. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about papers, NPR, every possible, okay. even, right. even the far-left media, even things like democracy now in this country, <laughs> is yeah. not capable of actually yeah. dealing with this concept. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, that's, you're, you're, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that specifically, but that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly, give or take. Yeah, yeah, that's them language monkeys. That's what you've well, got to expect. <laughs> so, again... Different modes of, of dealing with this. My view is that there is a way to actually break this somehow, and uh, it comes through. Okay. Yeah. I think. Oh, I think there is too, and I think as time. I think though this is also time dependent, and that right now I don't think many are going to change their minds. But I think in another twenty years, uh, as things get even weirder, uh, there will be a lot more pressure for people to start rethinking things. We're now onto the second generation. When I say second generation, they were, what, in their, you know, nine, Listen, ten. We years. haven't even reached the first generation in America. No, 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 no. You're not. You're not. <laughs> in terms of nine eleven and the oh. impact of nine eleven with regards to folks that you know will join the mujahideen, will become jihadists, these yeah. kind of things. Mm -hmm. We are now onto the those that were in there. You know seven, eight, nine years of age, mm -hmm. we're in, you know, many generations of Mujahideen. Uh, okay, yeah. So, but in terms of just the 9-11 thing, and this is the pervasive narrative associated with, um, you know, the, the Bush legacy about uh, how he was protecting all of us by, you know, killing children and fathers and parents, these people that are just going to really, really, really dislike us, <laughs> is, is just the, the whole yeah, phenomenon. Know, yeah. really Why Bush has not been prosecuted as a war criminal just absolutely amazes me. It, I, I hold out hope that through, through the UK and Europe, through, and look, I think, 
I think Obama. I think every every person that is part of this political. I don't think it's a political yeah. thing in this country. I think they're all war criminals. Well, but Obama Bush has done, started a war, <laughs> and Obama continued it. He, but that's there's a difference between starting it on a lie and getting it shoved on you. In well, the it's a, I, I would put to you that it's even more morally abhorrent. Well, to continue you may, you may war, right. yeah, you may be that right. That is based on yeah. a lie that you yeah. know is based on a lie, yeah. and to to up the ante. But but the question then becomes, what is you know that that may be the moral thing to do, but then you got the the situation on the ground to deal with. Well, you see that and whole the notion. Consequences of that. I, look, that's what the industrial military complex is about. It's about emphasizing yeah. the situation on the ground in some kind of moral yeah. proximity, yeah. as opposed to kicking down doors, shooting parents, yeah. and leaving young children yeah. that are really going to really dislike us for their oh, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this whole... No, I whole... agree with you. Yeah, we, one of, I think it's, there's, a good, there's a good argument for just getting the hell out of there and saying, sorry, we, you know, my bad, <laughs> you know, and then mm. uh, say, good luck. <laughs> mm. I don't think that will... I think, yeah, there will certainly... It won't grow a jihad, but it will certainly maintain the folks that uh, are currently very, very, very angry with us. Well, so, like I say, there's no. I don't see. I don't think there is a solution to this. There is no solution until the minds of humans change. What happened in terms of the Vietnam conflict was a number of Vietnamese came here, and they still have real problems, particularly in the South, in terms of the general integration. But I think that is possibly one of the only means of solving this circumstance. It's actually, I don't think they want any of us there, but actually we'll integrating... Just move them all here. Well, no, I mean, I think there's probably, there's, there's a, there are millions, literally, of people that have been uprooted. They say five million plus in Iraq. If we did what we did with the Vietnamese yeah, It certainly here, wouldn't be as expensive as the war is. Vastly cheaper. Yeah, and I think yeah. in terms of then people would have family members here and it yeah, would yeah, basically change the whole, That's a good idea. I like that. Have you written this up? And oh, you, see, you see, this is why you're talking to me, Heron. That's a good <laughs> idea. I like that. So, yeah, you know. Bring them all here. Come on in, man. Uh, well, ironically, that's what they yeah. did with Saddam's family. Saddam's family that turned in his sons, yeah. they got $25 million and a one-way ticket to the U.S. They're living in Idaho oh, currently. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> We're already doing well, that, that with that the whole thing part. about the, the whole Vietnam War, that they could have paid each North Vietnamese exactly. soldier, you know, yeah. $10 million each, yeah. you know, and it yeah. still would have been cheaper for us, and that would have been the end of it. Amen. <laughs> and the thing, the thing about, I mean, to a certain extent, Afghans, but Iraqis are very tenacious, intelligent, and highly capable people. They have a very high... Far higher, actually, than the U.S. in terms of university graduation, and I think this is a population that could really bring some very interesting things to yeah. the U.S. if they lived here, yeah. and probably revitalize all this engineering and other stuff that isn't actually going on in this country so, currently. What's the idea to put them in separate places? To you know, to well, really what, I mean, I'm not sure. Right. I have the... I have both Australian and U.S. Vietnamese friends. The way it was done with the Vietnamese was that they were put in. Several I think communities, you know, we got, yeah. exactly, and basically they integrated through that okay. method. Yeah, that works here. That we've got a strong Vietnamese community here in Orange yeah. County. Yeah. You know, it's, exactly. yeah. yeah. So that's the part of the Korean community too. I mean, there are definite exactly. parts of town. Yeah. You drive down yeah. the street, it's oh, Korean. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, very much so, very much so. So I think the same could uh, could occur, and it's a it's a form of well, reparation. Well, there is also, of course, a large Islamic community here in Orange County. Certainly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that basically heals a lot of the underlying. Yeah, that's a great idea. Those. Yeah, if if you'd rather, if if it, if we fucked it up for you really bad, come on over here. We'll set you up and <laughs> um, and see what we can do. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think something has happened, and again, this is perhaps a negative for the past 30-odd years, because that mentality existed with regards to the Vietnam conflict, and I don't know how it existed. I think it was to do the nature of total loss, and basically the nature of guilt that after the end of this conflict, the South Vietnamese in particular, although the Vietnamese folk that I know were kind of central Vietnamese, which were even more messed around by constant waves, backwards and forwards, fighting. But... um, so that was, I think, the mentality that caused or allowed for the Vietnamese uh, influx was a sense of guilt. Um, and I think, I don't know how one gets to that point in either Iraq or Afghanistan. Well, it has to come from the consciousness of the people who realize that they were good little Americans. Yeah. And that they are the ones that are responsible for the death and suffering. Yeah. By their lack of involvement. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that's that's my own thinking. Which I think this is probably the first time I've had this conversation with a few people, but this is the first time I've actually put this idea out in the public. And the folks that I know who are Vietnamese Americans—I mean, they're fundamentally Americans now—are, you know, by far the hardest working and also some of the smartest people in terms of just getting out of bad situations. I mean, I have a, a close friend, former co-worker, who got out of software engineering and is now a pharmacist in Florida. And in terms of just general tenacity, uh, you, you know, phenomenally, yeah. phenomenally yeah. bright. Fella. Yeah. Uh, and I think the same is probably true of the folks the that I've yeah. From yeah. I think you're probably right. Yeah, they've so, been through, yeah, if they well. got through what they just got through, they can get through anything. Yeah, they, they can live in L.A. and survive. So. <laughs> yeah, and probably like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I think that's probably the the point that we should end this. I actually, I I have to confess, I have a chapter that I want to actually get written this evening as well, Aaron. So if I'm putting a slight cap on it, it's because I've got a chapter in that my fingers are itching and uh, our cats are about to start a large dispute, which probably won't record too well either. So, well, good. Then we shall talk um, at your convenience next week. Looking forward to it, Aaron. Okay. Have a great evening. Take care. See ya.